Welcome to the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan. And on today's show, our guest is Rob Dubay. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Amy. I'm so grateful to be here with you today. Uh, honored, really. So I can't wait to chat. This is going to be fun. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. Exactly the same. I want to <laughs> let folks know a little bit about you. Um, so I'm going to read through your bio so folks know who is on this call with me. Um, from Blow Pops to Forbes Best Small Companies, Rob started his first business in high school selling blow pops out of his locker. While serving as co-CEO of Image One, a company, the company was recognized as a top 25 small business in America on the list of Forbes small giants. As the visionary slash CEO of the 10 disciplines, Rob oversees a coaching program that empowers entrepreneurs to build the inner foundation required to maximize their impact in both business and life. His influence also extends as co-founder, podcast host, and mentor chair for Entrepreneurial Leap, where he assists early-stage entrepreneurs in increasing their prop probability of success. He is the co-author with Gina Wickman of the soon-to-be-released book, Shine, How Looking Inward is the Key to Unlocking True Entrepreneurial Freedom, and we'll talk more about that shortly. The best-selling book, Do Nothing, right here. <laughs> it's so great. Um, the most rewarding leadership challenge you will ever take. He's the host of the Do Nothing Leadership Retreat, the Entrepreneurial Leap, and Leading with Genuine Care podcast. So many things, Robin. I think the thing that just keeps coming to the top is entrepreneurship, right? Mm. That's the common thread of who you are. Uh -huh. So I'm curious, um, what the profit was like on those blow pops. I, I was thinking that on the drive to my office this morning. <laughs> I love that question, actually, because we always make a joke that it was the best margins we ever had. Uh, bought them for a, a nickel, sold them for a quarter, and they flew out the lockers. So uh, as my best friend and I, and uh, yeah, it just, that's when we got pinged. There's no doubt early on. And, and I just, we like to share that story because usually when we do, um, who we're speaking to has either had the same experience, you know, they sold candy or something, or they have somebody very close to them where they can relate to that. So it's a fun story. Who knew it was going to have legs all these years later? Um, but and thank you for sharing it. It was a great time in life. So what do you think hooked you to the entrepreneur? I mean, got you into the entrepreneurial bug? Sounds like I know that's it's something that uh, my best friend at the uh, and he's still my best friend Joel Perlman, um, you know at the time I don't you know we weren't thinking about it we were just trying to do our own thing, and that was the main thing we didn't want to go get a job that just seemed so annoying and anytime we did which there was a couple of times it never lasted we hated it and we'd look around and go they could do this better they should do that you know we had all the answers of course right. And so we just, we were always hustling. You know, we had a million businesses after those blow pops in high school and all through college. And the two of us in, in 91, so there you go, I aged myself. We came right out of college and started up this business and we were selling toner cartridges door to door um, in the Detroit, Michigan area. So yeah, I think it was just about having your own thing and, you know, 
a sense that you could control your own destiny. Um, and I say a sense because when you're an entrepreneur, you think you can, but sometimes there's forces beyond your control. It's a hard thing to get to do is to be an entrepreneur. Very rewarding and yeah. sometimes very nerve wracking. All of it. <laughs> all of the emotions. All we, into for one. some reason, we sign up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Glutton for punishment. Yeah. Well, I always like to start the show with a little bit of a background so folks understand what our connection is. I didn't just find you on the internet somewhere and randomly call you up this morning. So, <laughs> um, which would be great and probably fine. And maybe one of these days that'll be the conversation. But um, I believe our con our, our connection was through. So my husband's part of a builder club and Gino has, has he done some consulting or maybe you did some consulting or a little I bit did. of both. Yeah. I, okay. I went and spoke to your husband's group. Um, the I think it's called the builders group or something like that. And yeah, so I, I did a, a, a talk and a workshop for them. Wonderful. Yeah. And my husband was very impressed. He really liked that. Um, interestingly, I'll, I'll tell you this little tidbit um, as we were, and I did not get his permission to share this. So uh, hubby, forgive me in <laughs> advance, but um, as we were talking through, you know, what we kind of are looking forward to in the coming year, he said, I'm really looking forward to taking some time maybe on Fridays and going to golf or, you know, enjoying life a little bit. I think we've both, as both of us are entrepreneurs, I think, you know, the pedal to the metal many days a week <laughs> for mm -hmm. years and years and years. Um, I think he's kind of gotten to that point where he started thinking about, you know, kind of that do nothing or kind of the um, not do nothing. I don't want to freak his employees out, but you know what I'm saying? Kind of the, the balance where there's life and business. Yeah. And I think he wants to embrace that. And it, honestly, it kind of shocked me when he said that. And I thought, where did that come from? And as I was reading through your book, I thought maybe <laughs> some of it's taking root. So <laughs> thank you, Rob. So we might yeah, have some oh. more, um, some more date nights, um, which we did Good. last night. So we did that Fantastic. super fun and, um, maybe some more golfing and pickleball and things like that. So yeah. I'm I looking forward to that. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I'm, if it's okay, we might bounce around a little bit, but you know, one of the things you mentioned is I run a company called the 10 disciplines and I'm sure we'll get into it later. And if we don't, that's okay too. But, um, you know, one of the things that I shared with your husband and the group is, uh, one of the disciplines is take time off. And this is where we encourage you to take 130 days off and not think about work the entire time. And so I hope Jeff, that's your husband's name, right, Jeff? Right. Yeah, I hope Jeff is, you know, thinking about that when he does his Fridays over the summer and goes and golfs and just like really turn it off and let your mind and your body rejuvenate. Um, now, for a lot of people, 130 days sounds like a lot, but if it's just if you just took every weekend, uh, all the U.S. holidays and three weeks vacation, you're just about at 130. So that's where I always and this gets into mindfulness a little bit, by the way, is it's tuning into yourself and saying, why can't I turn it off on the weekends or when I'm on vacation? What's up with that? <laughs> you know, and that's taking a look deeper inside to say, what is up with that? Because I need to learn how to turn it off. And, uh, and so that's one of the, the disciplines and how we encourage people to, you know, really go inside and, and, you know, explore the world, explore life, um, even if you're at home and don't think about work the entire time. Ooh, you feel like the 10 disciplines, is it, 
an outpouring from your work with Do Nothing? Is it an outpouring from Shine, your your soon-to-be-released book? Tell me about where that yeah. fits into the picture. Thank you for that's a great lead-in because um, it, you know I'll, I'll give you I'll go back a little bit and let me just go back to uh, a little bit of history for context for uh, those that are listening or watching it on YouTube. So uh, in '91, as I mentioned, I started this company called Image One with my best friend Joel Perlman. The two of us grew the business uh, over a period of eight, nine years, I think it was, and it was out of control. We 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 were so disorganized. I can't even believe we made it that long. And we were looking for help. And this guy named Gino Wickman uh, was starting a new business consulting business. At the time, it was called the Business Accelerator. And he was coming into companies and helping them gain control of their businesses. And someone introduced us to him. And we had a sort of a um, initial meeting to see if we might be a good fit for each other. We decided to work together. And so we were one of his first seven clients. Obviously, for those listening, if you're not familiar, there are over, I think, 200,000 companies that and 750 business consultants called implementers now that teach this to companies and work with companies like Image One. Uh, so he was, you know, we were students and and we were also his test case <laughs> you know, at the same time. And so he helped us so much with his process. And now it's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System and uh, a very well-known book sold, I think, you know, two million copies or something called Traction. So that's for context. Now, Gino and I got to know each other um, through that relationship. We became friends and we would meet up a few times a year, three, four times a year at a coffee shop for like half a day. And he was he was uh, leading his life a certain way, and I was really curious about it. How was he taking so much time off? How did how was he so clear about his future? You, you know, how did he say no to all these opportunities that were constantly coming at him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So I'm a curious person, and so I was always asking him, you know, how do you do that? What is this? And he was teaching me these ten disciplines, you know, just just through organically, because they weren't listed like this. Later in life, about five years ago, I think, he actually listed them out and he shared them with me. And I said, oh my God, you taught these to me over the previous 20, 15, 20 years. And I've been using them successfully and they have been key to my growth in my whole life, not just my business. So that's how I bring the 10 disciplines back. And I said to him, we got to teach this to the world. This is so important because as entrepreneurs, as leaders, we're driven. We, it's just in our DNA. And what that does for us is it helps us make change in the world. You know, there's a very small percentage of the world that's driven. If everyone was, it'd be chaos, but let's call it 10% of the 8 billion people. So of these people, you know, these are the people who are creating things. They're inventing things. They're making change in the world, providing services and products and all those kinds of things. And so, but the problem with that is 
oftentimes these driven people like you and me and you know many others that are probably listening we kind of leave a mess behind us sometimes and that's the negative to it and so we got to be highly aware of our actions highly aware self-aware of our driven nature and where we can use it as a superpower but where we can be really mindful so it doesn't leave this black trail of craziness to our family, our friends, our employees, you know, our community, et cetera. And you see this with entrepreneurs and leaders all the time. <laughs> Give me an example. What, what, what do you mean by that? Give us yeah. paint a picture. Yeah, sure. Okay. Let's use a business example. Okay. Um, you, you, a, a, a CEO, an entrepreneur has 50 ideas. And so they come in today and they, they, they puke it all out. Oh, we need to do this. We need to do more of that. And the employees' heads are spinning. They don't even know where to start, where to go. And the next day, there's 10 more ideas. And the employees are saying, well, wait, which way are we going? You told us yesterday this, and today you're telling us to do that. And so there, there's no focus there's no, there's no process, you know, it's just, it's, it's all these creative ideas that these driven people feel like they can accomplish everything all at once. And it's their inability to kind of slow things down and say, these are good ideas, but maybe some of them aren't so good. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe they're, or we're just not ready for them, you know? And so I need to slow myself down and get really focused on what matters most. So there's a business example. Let's talk about a personal personal example. You know, you see entrepreneurs running around like crazy. Their minds are in 50 different places. They come home, they're not fully present with their family. Let's say they have kids. They, they, they're distracted. They're thinking about all these things that were going on in, in their professional life at work which means they're not fully present with their kids, but they're shaking their head and they're pretending they are. But the kids know. Why do the kids know? Because they feel your energy. They know when you are in tune with them and when they are. And so do your significant others, your family members, your friends. They know when you're distracted. They can see when you're not with them, even though physically you are. So as entrepreneurs, leaders, we show up, but we're not actually there. And so those are the kinds of things that I see. And then there's and fallout. I've been a part of, by the way, <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> oh yeah. So tell us your story and kind of the the crux. Yeah. So growing up, I had a whole uh, a whole slew of challenges. Um, there was a lot of abuse that I had. Um, I, ha I came from a divorced family in addition to that, and um, I, I was struggling throughout high school and college. I got married early, <clears throat> which was really a blessing um, because I realized through some of my experiences growing up, there was something inside of me around the age of 25 after I'd been married for a few years that said, something isn't right I just do intuitively something I just knew I wasn't as good of a person as I needed to be in this world. And I wasn't as good as a husband and we were uh, just having our first child and I just, something didn't seem right. And so I just started searching for answers 
I went to therapy, just traditional talk therapy. That was a big stretch for me. Thankfully, these days, that's like very common and accepted. Back then, it wasn't really so much. So I always was under the radar. And that was a useful thing for me to do. It really helped me understand some of the cause and effect. Didn't necessarily help settle my mind. In some ways, it actually um, made my mind a little bit more busy. <laughs> I was always analyzing everything that happened to me in my life. So again, I kept searching and I had read an article in Time Magazine. Uh, the, the cover was a woman who uh, was, was in a meditative, um, she was in a seated meditation uh, posture and it said something about mindfulness or meditation. I don't remember. And I read an article about it and I thought, well, that's interesting, but I'm not interested in becoming Buddhist because I thought it had something with being Buddhist. But I still read and kept learning, and I found that actually there were it was, could be quite secular. In other words, it didn't have any attachment to any sort of religion. And I kept digging more, and um, and I tried it. In fact, what happened was I had sold my company. Uh, my best friend Mitch and I had sold. Image One, we had sold our company and uh, we were working for the company. We had a three-year contract and uh, it was very stressful. I'd never worked for anybody before and it was a it was a public company and it was different. And I was uh, in my summer uh, home and I was very stressed out. And I thought back to that article and I kind of remembered some things about what what you do. And I just decided to sit in a chair and focus on my breath for like five, I set a timer for five minutes. And all I noticed was at the end, I felt a little calmer. So it wasn't like the problems went away. I mean, I still had to go right back to the problems. I just felt like I calmed down. And uh, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so I kept uh, learning more. I found a meditation teacher in the community that I lived in at the time. Uh, which was Detroit, Michigan. And she taught me, um, you know, through a couple sessions, basically how to meditate, which it wasn't complicated. I thought it was going to be more complicated than it was. And then I took on a daily practice. And then from there, I got interested. I went, I want, I thought it would be interesting to have a day of silence. And so I tried that. And I was very worried about what that might be like. And I found that to be actually a wonderful experience. And that piqued my interest to do it a little bit longer. And so I did a seven-day silent retreat. And then I did a 10-day silent retreat. And by the way, listeners, don't freak out. I'm not trying to convince you to go do that. It's just what worked for me. And so, um, and then I've kept that over the last 15 plus years, I've been doing two silent retreats every year. That's been very um, important for my meditation and mindfulness practice. Uh, I'm a slow learner and I need to keep reinforcing things in my mind. And then of course I have a daily practice as well. So that has been very useful in my life. You know, it's really helped slow things down for me. I'm a better listener. I'm in the present moment more often, not all the time, but more often, um, I, I, it helps me bring more perspective to what I'm worked up about, you know, like sure. there's dramas in our life and I call them dramas, um, because I like to just ask myself, 
how does this matter in my life right now? <laughs> like, I'm going to get through it. It's going to be fine. <laughs> you know, so all I'm doing is getting worked up about something that is going to play itself out anyway, and then it will be in the past. And so I've learned to not worry so much about the future, which I did all the time, and ruminate about the past, which I used to do all the time. Still do them both, by the way, but just not as much. It's it's very uh, much less frequent. And so, you know, these are some of the ways that it showed up in my life and in business. I've learned to be a better listener, a better leader, tune into people, ask better questions, um, empower the team as opposed to having all the answers and leading from ego, um, you know, just trying to be of service. And I think a lot of these things are, I don't think all these things are in us innately they're in there we just have a a uh sh a shield over us and we don't let it out because we feel like we have to show up in other ways that aren't really true to ourself or being our true self and so i think my mindfulness practice has helped me you know remove those layers and just be authentically me and then tune in to other people Thank you for that. That was a wonderful overview of your <laughs> journey because it, it it's multifaceted, right? With, yeah, yeah. you know, your background, you, you, you grew up in, was it Detroit? You grew up in? Yeah. I grew okay, up in the okay. Detroit area. Yep. And then you've had this business image one and in and out of entrepreneurship, more in than out. It sounds like for sure. vast majority there. And Gino comes along and really kind of helps revolutionize your thinking and um, seems like it kind of changes your path a bit. I saw in an interview that you had done with Gino, uh, I believe it was on your podcast, um, where you talked with him about kind of what qualified him. And I would love if you give us a little snippet of that. I thought it was interesting. I think it's a beautiful thing in entrepreneurship when folks or their knowledge and their life and their expertise, their wisdom, their hard-earned wisdom into other people. And, he, and he's paying it forward. So tell us who poured into him. Who poured into him? So his, influential people in his life? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think his father is one of the you know key people in his life. Um, he had many other mentors along the way. Sam Cup. Uh, is one uh, who was a very, very strong business mentor of his. And, you know, there's been different life mentors that have been very important to him. Names are escaping me, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, better asking of him, you know, but these, you know, he, his father and Sam Cup, very yes. key and really, you know, on Sam, Sam, especially on, on the practicality around business yes. and mentoring and things of that nature, his father, Floyd, just a visionary, you know, just creative, how to, how to go out in public and, and communicate a concept clearly and simply. So other people can go, Oh, I get that. I could do that. I just need to follow these steps, you know? So through his, through that relationship. And, and for those that don't know, Gino ran his, uh, came in at a certain point in his family's business, his father's business, which was a training company for 
people in the real estate business and it was in trouble. And when Gino was in his twenties, he actually came in and kind of cleaned it up and figured out how to run this thing like a well-oiled machine. And ultimately they sold it. And he used that knowledge to create the entrepreneurial operating system. So by cleaning up his father's business, creating that success behind it, he learned how to create the next thing, which obviously for those that are familiar with it um, has gone on to, you know, unbelievable success, really unbelievable success. Now, five years ago, fast forward, he sells the company, entrepreneur, uh, the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS, uh, to a private equity firm. And um, he, as he says, he rang the bell, he climbed the mountain, he thought everything was perfect in his life. And then he got smacked in the face, you know, smacked in the head. And he was like, I feel unfulfilled. <laughs> If everything I could ever want, but I still feel unfulfilled. What is going on? And, you know, so that started a journey for him around, you know, what is, what, what will fulfill me? What is it that I'm here for? And, you know, through our relationship and just the way things work in life, coincidences, whatever you want to call them, we came together you know, on these 10 disciplines, which I really believed were on the outside, what he felt they were, were, were a way to maximize uh, your energy and, and uh, create greater outside success, you know, build your business, be more successful. What I was sharing with him was that was definitely part of it. But there was an insight component to these 10 disciplines because over the years, what I noticed with them was they helped me to understand myself better. For example, I'll just give you one of the disciplines. Don't do $25 an hour work. Never do anything that you could pay somebody $25 an hour to do. Or nowadays, I even say below your pay grade. Now, so how did that show up for me? So I might be doing $25 an hour work and I might be saying to myself, it's just easier for me to do it. Or I don't want to shell out the money, quite frankly, to do it. I'd rather do it myself. So then I would go a level deeper and I would say, well, why am I saying that? Do I not believe if I made that investment that I would get a five to one return on that investment? Like if I told you, if you invest $25, you'll get $125 back regularly within 12 months. Would you do that? Yes, of course you would. That, but, but of course, there's no guarantees in life. So you have to trust yourself that you could go make that happen. Okay, so then I had to ask myself, do I trust myself? Am I driven enough? Am I scared? Et cetera, et cetera. You, you go levels deeper into all these very simplistic disciplines to really say, what's really going on here? You know, in the work that I do with people, I see it all the time. You know, they, they tell me things that, that I went through myself. You know, I love the one with don't do 25. Saying no often is another one of the disciplines. Why do we say yes to everything? We're, we might have FOMO. Well, what's that all about? Why do we have FOMO? What are we afraid of missing out? You know, uh, we feel bad, guilty. Okay, that's normal thing in life to feel bad and feel guilty. What's that all about, though? 
you, I want my encouragement to the, our clients is I want you to go deeper into that. I want you to understand where that guilt is coming from so you can set it free and shed that layer and be your true self. A great one is coming off the holidays and everyone's feeling they have to say yes to all the family engagements and the, all the different commitments that they always have and they're complaining about it incessantly. Why do you have to say yes to all of it? Why? I just, I just encourage everybody, just take that deeper. Where I notice some people are ready is they go, okay, let's do this. Because it's hard. It's hard to go deeper. And then I notice some people, they just say, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> they just, they're just not ready. It's too scary. Their subconscious is just saying, uh-uh, no, no way, ego. I'm, I'm shutting down. We're not having this conversation. It's silly to go deep. You know, why do I need to do that? I don't need to do that. That's your ego just protecting you. The, the layers are building on. The layers are building on. <laughs> it's like, you can't get out. So you just keep doing the same thing that you're, that dry, that drains your energy, you know, because you feel like it's the right thing to do. And by the way, I know sometimes you have to do the right thing. So I'm not suggesting you don't. I'm just providing some, some color around these concepts and these ideas of going just a little bit deeper, you know? So for me, these things were really critical. You know, it, it helped me understand, for example, really early on when my, I remember my, my son was 18 months old. That was our first child. And I had, and there was no internet and emails and things like this. And I decided to take three weeks off and take a vacation with my wife and our son. And we went to Northern Michigan and I remember talking to my business partner, Joel, and my he was my best friend. He's my best friend. He was my business partner. And I said, I'm going to go away for three weeks. And he was like, really? That's ridiculous. You know, and he was, we, we had to talk about it. It was a hard conversation. And he supported me, thank God, because we're more brotherly than we are businessy. And so he said, okay, if that's what you need to do, I support it. I think it's nuts, but I support it. And we... The business was fine. Everything was fine. Nothing fell apart. I came back. It was all good. But, you know, that was something that I had to do some soul searching around. And I had to take a leap, you know, and talk to my best friend, my business partner about it. And I was worried. And what about my employees? What would they think? Where is this guy? How come he's never around for three weeks? He's not even calling in. You Because know, I was doing three weeks not thinking about work the entire time. That's what Gino taught me all those years ago. So, you know, these things really show up. They help us understand ourselves better. Once we have that understanding of ourselves, now what happens is we can protect ourselves. These are the boundaries that we must put in our lives. And again, that's hard to do, you know, because once we set the container, we have to, we can't let people come in and they're always trying to come into the container. They're always trying to pull us out of the container and they have good reasons for it. And so our analytical mind starts saying, yeah, okay, just this once, <laughs> you know, or, or yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. Or, and, and it's just constant, it's constant. And, and, and so it takes a lot of soul searching to say, 
why am I constantly going outside of these boundaries that I know I must stay within so I can have freedom in my mind and time in my life to understand more deeply what the heck it is I'm doing, how I'm going to make greater impact, and how I can experience more peace in this life. Because this life is not one to be taken for granted. Uh, everyone already knows that. I, that's nothing new that I just came up with. <laughs> you know that. Yet we lose sight of it. We just do. Every day we take for granted that this moment and future that future moments are are there for us and they aren't they that is not a guarantee and and i think the more passionate we passion that we bring to that in our lives that that will affect the kinds of decisions that we make in terms of our boundaries because we know it's finite and if i truly want to make the impact i want to make i can't keep saying that's my. That's what I'm going to do in three years, because you're assuming you're going to be able to do that in three years. And I'm here to tell you that is not guaranteed. It's not. And you notice people that have had major health scares, and I'm not saying everybody, but I've met many that have, and I'm talking people that thought they may die and how they see the world differently. It's amazing. They live their life in a different way all of a sudden because they got a wake-up call. You don't need to have the wake-up call. You don't need to have the wake-up call about how precious this moment is. I, 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 <laughs> I want you to think so deeply about that to all those that are listening and watching is don't take any moment for granted. And the disciplines we talk about, tenure thinking, that isn't goal setting. Tenure, is that what you said? Tenure thinking? Tenure thinking, yeah. It's not goal setting. What, what, what we're, not, we're not trying to get you to set a, a goal that you're shooting after. What we're trying to get you to do is to think in tenure timeframes so you will adjust your behavior today. So if you want to have a healthy and loving relationship with your spouse, your act in 10 years, your actions today impact that in 10 years. And what we want you to do is start thinking and pausing. This is where mindfulness comes in. I mean, this is all interconnected, Amy. You, you, I'm hoping the threads, because I'm all over the place, but I'm hoping everyone's kind of seeing the threads because- when you're mindful and you have your stuff that you're dealing with, your mind, and your spouse doesn't, uh, I love the example, uh, your, your spouse doesn't organize the dishwasher the way you like it, and it irritates you, and then you make some sort of snide comment in a funny kind of way, and that kind of leaves a little imprint on your spouse, how does that show up for you if, if you want to have the best relationship with that, that person in 10 years? You, you, you can't keep dinging them with these little things that are meaningless, like how you fill the dishwasher. I get it. You fill it the best. And I stole that from Byron Katie, who who's, does great work. The work is what she calls it. 
And she told that story at a conference I was at. She was watching her husband do the dish, fill the dishwasher, and she caught herself judging him. No, the plates shouldn't go there. They should go over there. And you put the bowls on the second one, and you don't put the forks in there like that. That's not going to be the most efficient for the dish. She just told this whole story. And it always stuck with me because I like organizing the dishwasher. So I, I could really resonate with it. And my wife doesn't do it the way I do it. But somehow at the end of the cycle, they're all clean. It didn't really matter, right? So In the grand you know, scheme of life. Yeah. So pick listener, viewer, pick your dishwasher example, because I promise you, you have one. <laughs> Notice when your mind is in judgmental mode. I love the 10-year vision getting your North star. And yeah. I think as an entrepreneur, as some of our listeners, maybe managers, it can feel like sometimes that you get caught in the trenches and you really need to come up for a breath of fresh air once in a while. And that is the breath of fresh air. And so I'm wondering with the 10 disciplines and this, this 10 year view is that really the question that you start folks with? Yeah. What do you want your life to look like in 10 years? Mm -hmm. And then the next question is, so what are the actions? What are the thoughts? What are the words that support that? That's right. And they could be, there could be one word, love. One word. It could be bullet points. It could be a vivid story that you know you can just see it so clearly whatever works for you just take the time and think about first reflect on everything that's happened in your life to this moment and be proud of that because we don't reflect enough on all these wonderful things a lot of times we think about what could have been what should have been if only what I want to do and what we teach is go back and just think about all the beautiful things that happen in your life. Cause there's, it's, you can't, you won't have enough time to list them. Even if you've had a hard life, they're in there. And now have, now you're in the right state of mind to think about what's the future, what 10 years looks like for you. And again, as you say, it's a North star. This isn't a goal. It just informs your day-to-day -day actions today. You're moving in that direction. And that that's the that's the key concept because so often we're set, we're especially entrepreneurs, we we set a goal, we want to accomplish that goal. And all I'm saying is with as using your word, with your North Star, with your 10-year thinking vision in mind, that's how we say it. I want you to be mindful of your actions today. That's all. Just be mindful of your actions today. So we encourage our clients to read that vision, whether it's one word, a set of bullet points, or a vivid story, at least once a week to keep it fresh in their mind because that's going to help them be mindful of their actions throughout each and every day. Would you and tell you're us gonna, uh, say again? And you're going to finish yours and I want to ask you a question. Well, and you're going to mess up. So I want to just give you permission to mess up because you're practicing. You got 10 years to perfect it. 
So judge on the judge on the dishwasher. Just catch yourself and go, crap, shouldn't have done that. Spouse, I'm sorry I did that. I'm working on it. Call me out every time I do it. And I got to set myself free of that. But you're going to mess up. And that's okay. That's part of being mindful. It's it's recognizing, whoops, I wasn't perfect. It's okay. I just learned and I'll be better next time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I won't, but I'll notice it. That's being mindful. And I'll try to be better next time. And at some point you will be better. It will be a slow progression, but you will be better. Some things will be faster. Some things won't. It depends how deep your, your imprints are, your samskaras, as they call them, uh, your stuff <laughs> deep inside of you it will begin to free and you'll begin to shed a lot of it. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate the examples. And I'm wondering if you would give us a little glimpse, if it's not too much to ask, into your 10-year vision and where you are in it. Are you five years in? Are you seven? Are you yeah. two? So let we just finished our second 10-year vision, my, my wife, Emily, and I. And so we just created our next 10-year vision. So let me just talk about the one we finished so I can share how that played out. I love that. Okay. So our method is we like the vivid story. So I'm a detail-oriented person. And so I like reading all the, you know, I like to feel it and taste it and touch it in my mind. So that's what works for me. So that's the way we did it. Now, here's an example of how things played out. Uh, by, by 2026, now I know it's 2024 right now, but it was, it was time for us to do our next vision. We didn't go right up to 2026. So by 2026, we envisioned our life living in Northern Michigan, which we became very fond of over the years. So, you know, we thought that's where we want to be in, in our future. This was many years ago. So uh, over that period of time, uh, we spent more time in Northern Michigan. We thought, you know, organically, it wasn't like we sit down, made a whole plan. We just thought organically, you know, how can that, how can we make that happen? What would it look like? We, we were fortunate. We were able to have some property. We started to imagine what a house might look like. How, how would we want it to be for our family? How would it work, et cetera, et cetera. And it is, our kids went off to their lives, you know, college, they got involved, you know, with their careers, et cetera. And we started to think more seriously about this, but not quite ready. COVID uh, came, the pandemic, and we said, let's head up north to our place and just spend the next couple months up there. And you've heard, we've all heard lots of stories of people kind of, you know, having the ability to kind of get away, which for what they thought was going to be a couple of months or a month or, you know, a short period not of time. Cute. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, I'm sorry to bring the, pandemic back up, but it's just part of the story. And we were there for a month and then two months and then three months and then four months. And, oh my and you goodness. know, then it was summertime and we, you, you know, we spend time here in the summer. So we said, we just might be able to stay. And so after about four or five months, you know, Emily and I sat down and we said, would we want to stay up here full time? This was way ahead of the game. We weren't prepared to do it. 
we thought we were good five years out. And we just said, it feels right. Something feels right about it. We sold our home downstate, the Detroit area. We ended up doing the work and building the house that we always hoped and dreamed that we could. Granted, we were very fortunate to be able to be in a position to do that. My point in all this is it was rolling around up there. We were, uh, we were always thinking about it, but we didn't have concrete steps. And if it was a box that we couldn't check by the exact date, I was perfectly okay with that. It wasn't going to define, we got to get up there by 2026. No, it wasn't like that. And there were things within our vision that didn't take place. Uh, things like we wanted to go to every Grand Slam tennis tournament. We like tennis. In, and there's four of them. And so we got to two of them, but we didn't get to the other two. It just wasn't working out. I, excuse me, we went to three of them. We didn't go to the fourth one, which was the Australian Open. And that didn't just, it just didn't work out. And I'm perfectly at peace with that. But it was at the forefront of our mind. We thought about it. We tried to figure some things out, but we weren't going to like push it. And it had to just feel right. And so these are ways that, it, to answer your question, how it was showing up for the two of us. And now let's, let me just give one example of how the, few, the next 10-year vision might show up. Now our kids, as I mentioned, are out in their careers. They live in New York. I wish they were home, but they're not. And so, you know, how we see our vision is simply supporting them the best way that we can in our lives. If they go on to have spouses, maybe have children, which is no guarantee, but if they do, or if they don't, we just want to be for them, be there for them. We don't know what that looks like. Will they be in New York? Will they be in some other state? Will they be back in Michigan? Who knows? It's their life to live. We just know that we want to be with them, spend time with them and support them. And that's part of our vision. And we'll let that unfold organically. And so that, that's an example of how it can show up. And uh, that's how we will, will be mindful of our actions mm -hmm. starting today as we go through the next 10 years, just always being, for that, being there for them and supporting them and spending time with them, figuring out ways to do that. I love the, the way that you and your wife have done this together. I think there's a ton of power um, and, and a touch of fun accountability, right? Um, yeah. to, to the whole scenario. I'm wondering how you and your wife might have um, kept looking toward that North Star. What did it look like on a daily or weekly basis for you to just not, it's easy to get caught, you know, in yeah. life. There's so many to-dos and know. things to think about and sometimes worry about. How do you keep the eye heading yeah. in that direction. It's actually really simple, but it's hard for so many people, kind of like a mindfulness practice. Sure. Well, and <laughs> right? I wondered if you, if you tied it into your morning mindfulness practice, I know we've talked about you sitting each morning um, yeah. for a, a significant amount of time. Is it part of that or paint a picture for me? What's yeah, it like? I'll paint a picture. So <clears throat> one of the disciplines actually that I learned over the years, and one of the ones we teach is called prepare every night. And, um, and, and as part of that, we teach how to prepare for your upcoming week. So I have a weekly routine, usually on Sunday, it takes about an hour. And that's just where I prepare for the upcoming week. As part of that, I read 
uh, Emily in my vision. When I read it, she knows it's coming. I send her uh, a copy of it in her email. And I just ask her, can you read this this morning? She reads it. And I just say, is does anything, does it sound great still? Do we need to do anything? Do we need to change anything? Are we doing, are we, are, are our actions in alignment with where our vision is? And, you know, 95% of the time, it's a yes. And it takes five minutes. It's nothing. <laughs> it's just us reviewing it. Are we in alignment? Asking a couple of questions and that's it. It's not a big deal, but it's hard for people. I believe me, I teach them to do this and they go three months, they write it, they're excited. They go three months, they haven't reread it. And so, you know, it's just getting into um, a discipline around these things. And that's part of my routine. So it's that Sunday routine, just read it one time, ask yourself a couple of simple questions. Um, are my actions in alignment with where we're going? If you did it with your spouse, asking that person, do they feel the same way? Is there anything that changes or that we need to, to update? Which it does, things change. So you can make changes. It's, it's not set in stone. And so you make updates as you see appropriate and you go from there. That feels <laughs> simple, so simple. But hard. Simple, but hard. A lot. That's most of life, isn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> a lot of it's common sense. It's just, I don't know why we make it so hard. I know. I love that though. I'm wondering if you would, let's talk a little bit more about mindfulness in particular. I see it very clearly as that is the lens through which I see a lot of the world. I see it through the eyes of communication and I see it through the eyes of mindfulness. I'm wondering if you would define mindfulness in your own words. <laughs> so be, thank you for asking that question. And, you know, I, I, you, you let me know you were going to ask that. So, and I appreciate you doing that um, because that'll keep me really focused. And, and, I, and I just want to say that there, and you know this, obviously, doing the work that you do, there are so many definitions, number one. And number two, there are so many amazing people that have, you know, really paved the way, so to speak, to help the world understand and, and um, connect with what mindfulness is. So you are very familiar with John Kabat-Zinn, as am I, um, and he's a wonderful resource, and I'm sure you've shared this on other podcasts, but we'll just repeat it. He's a wonderful resource you know, for secular mindfulness. Um, he created uh, the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program that is world-renowned. And uh, it, it's, it's based on some very simple principles and some very simple uh, practices. Um, and so with that in mind, I always like to go to his definition, which I'll read because I don't want to butcher it. So I, I wrote it down and I'm going to do it off my screen. So what John Kabat-Zinn says is mindfulness is awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Okay. Mindfulness is awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Now, my hope for the listeners and the viewers is that they can see and, and apply that definition to everything that we've been talking about so far, because paying attention on purpose 
present moment, non-judgmental. He also adds sometimes in the service of self-understanding and wisdom. Again, I think weaved into our conversation, self-understanding, wisdom. By the way, wisdom within you. You have everything that you need in you. It's just, it's just blocked <laughs> and you've got to set it free. So that that's John Kabat-Zinn's and that's, that's my favorite definition that I go to. Same, same. Yeah. I love it so much. When we had talked um, a few weeks back, I, I was in this place of trying to figure out kind of what next with my mindfulness practice. And I don't know if I told you, but I actually signed up for mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher training. And um, so I'm on that journey. That's my path now, which is a beautiful thing. And one of the pre-qualifications was a seven-day mindfulness retreat. So when you're talking about that, that. I thought, (laughs) oh man, before that, I'd only been on a one-day retreat. And I thought, I'm along for the ride, but I'm not sure what's going to come up. And of course, a lot of things come up over the course of seven days. That's right. But it was a little bit of a time warp. Honestly, it felt like I kind of experienced the first couple of days and it was almost like this kind of a trance almost. You just get into your rhythm of the sitting and the moving and, and, you know, the talks. And by the time it was the end, I thought, wait, where'd the middle part of the week go? It's a strange place. And that told me that I got into a very kind of cocoon like place. Yeah. Very safe and calm. And it's still with me. They say that months after a retreat such as that, you know, you'll continue to see the, you know, the beautiful ramifications of it. And I still am. Um, I loved when you were talking earlier that you said, when you started exploring mindfulness, that you decided to just sit in a chair for five minutes. I love that visual because I think we can overcomplicate anything in our lives. And mindfulness is one of those things. It doesn't take fancy equipment. It doesn't take hours and hours. It doesn't take a full week of silence to accomplish this. I'm a huge proponent of practical mindfulness, always available to us, no fancy equipment, you have your breath, you likely have a chair somewhere you can sit on and you just make the time. You make the time. You And for me, it's an act of faith to sit, mm-hmm. you know, as a mom, as a business that leader, is. as a wife, as all, all the hats that are stacked up and sometimes feel like I'm doing this to keep them all aligned and not falling off. It feels like an act of faith to just allow the world to continue to spin. And I thought that this morning when I was meditating and thinking and setting intention for our discussion, I thought this is an act of faith. There's so much I feel pulling at me, yeah. but I I recognize, you know, what were the common themes today? It was a lot about work and the things I needed to do, and I didn't want to let anybody down. And so you, it's just interesting because different days, um, you know, during the retreat, you know, there were certain relationships that were really tense, and that's what was coming up. It wasn't so much about work; it was just mulling it over and trying to set it aside and mulling it over. <gasps> so it's you. quite a rodeo sometimes the brain. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm wondering, so you started there, but today your daily mindfulness practice looks different. Tell us about it. 
Yeah. Well, you, you prompted something for me that I, I feel compelled to share. And it's, it's um, my favorite quote, I think ever it's by Anne Lamont. And she says, my mind is like a bad neighborhood. I try to never go there alone. And when you said it's an act of faith, that's what came to my mind was that quote. And I get goosebumps when I say it because it is because you know what you're about to embark on. And this is why it's hard for all you who are listening and, and viewing um, where you say, I don't know, I don't have time, this, that. That isn't what it is. It's you, it's on the inside, you know it's going to be hard because you know stuff's going to come up and, and, and it's it's going to be crazy in there. <laughs> And and so you have to have an act of faith. I'm going to go into, into this world right now uh, called my mind, and it's going to be crazy in there for a little bit. But as you continue to practice, and then I'll get to my routine, and it, 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 as you continue to practice, this is where it begins to settle down a little. And, and this is where you start to understand or your mind begins to to thank you, which is connected to your body. And then your body begins to thank you to just say, thank you for settling down a little. I needed that. And it's different than sleep. Sleep is different. Uh, so some people feel like, oh, you know, I, I, I need to sleep. Yes, you need to sleep, continue to sleep. But this is different because you are awake and you are aware. And so uh, to my routine. Um, so I, I wake up and the first thing that I do is I, I sit in my meditation practice for 45 minutes. And at the beginning of my meditation practice, I always remind myself why I'm doing this. <laughs> Which <Okay>? is? <laughs> to be a better person in this world. To be mindful of my mind. To be mindful of my body. To be mindful of my sense perceptions, you know, to, to, um, be aware, to, to bring awareness when I'm not sitting in meditation, it's a practice. And so I always remind myself of that because even after all these years of practicing over 20 years of having a meditation practice, I, sometimes I just feel like, like at night, I just feel like I just want to go to bed, right? I'm exhausted you know, or, or I just don't, I just don't want to sit. I, it's going to be not, I just, uh, you know, it's like, uh, okay. But over time I learned that it's really useful for me. I'm not suggesting it's useful for everybody, but it, like anything, you got to give it a fair shot. So I sit for 45 minutes and I remind myself why I'm doing this. And then I sit and uh, I have a simple focus on my breath and just doing my best to come back to the present moment. I meditate with my eyes open, but for many, many years, I've, I meditated with my eyes closed. And most people start that way and continue that way. But I have a meditation teacher. And as I uh, learned more, uh, she helped me uh, bring in the sense perceptions through sight. So that's how I meditate now. And uh, when I'm uh, done with my meditation, I, uh, I express gratitude to myself for taking the time to do this. So I actually say to myself, you know, I'm grateful 
uh, that I took the time to do this. And then I do some journaling. And so I'll spend about five or so minutes uh, doing a gratitude uh, for all the things in my life, both big and small, and just stream of thought, whatever comes to me. And so I spend some time doing that and then setting some intentions uh, for, for my day. And so I uh, usually try to have two or three intentions for my day. Sometimes it's just one. So that's my morning routine. Um, my evening routine is pretty much the same thing, but 20 minutes. So I find it helpful for me to try to settle everything that worked itself up throughout the day. And uh, some people evening is, is challenging because they, when they meditate, sometimes they get a lot of energy and then they have a trouble going to sleep, but that's not the case with me. So that's, so I'm able to do both morning and, and evening. And so that, that's my practice. I love that. Thank you for walking us through what that looks like. I think it's just so interesting how different, different people do it. We, yeah, we recently, I recently spoke with, um, on the show, a, an Olympic hopeful, and she has been an athlete really her whole life. And she talked about how she would set an alarm and she would she would just lie in bed and she, for three minutes, she would spend time in gratitude. And then she had another alarm. So you have to have an understanding spouse because that can be a little annoying. I, I kept thinking, you know, it could be like the dishes for us. I love that. It might be a that. little tough, but I... I love the practice of gratefulness and that seems to be a common thread uh, amongst yeah. mindful leaders. No doubt. There's always a story I like to share about this. I interviewed a woman on my Leading with Genuine Care podcast uh, named Elizabeth Bowman, and she was a type A driven uh, overachiever. Uh, top of her class in high school, college, she was going to medical school. She was at the top of her class in medical school. She was going to be the best doctor, medical doctor ever known to the history of the world. That was what she had her sights on and nobody was getting in the way of, of that. And when she got into a residency and they were doing their different um, rounds that they do, learning about different types of specialties and things of this nature, um, they were at the part where they learned how to do a breast exam. And she had never done a breast exam on, on herself and she did and she felt a lump and one thing led to another and it was cancer. And this led her to a deep depression. Um, first, it stopped her whole career in, in its tracks because now she had to take care of this problem, which was annoying to her because she was on a fast track and she didn't want to stop. She was also, she felt humiliated and like a failure that here she was on this track to be a doctor and she had never done a self-exam. How could she, she would say, how could I have never done a self-exam? And yet I was this far along in my medical training. And so, as I mentioned, she got into a deep depression and, you know, she had loved ones around her and they had all kinds of did you try the, Try this, do that, try this, et cetera, et cetera. And someone said, hey, you know, maybe just try gratitude. And so she said, I look at this point, I'll try anything. So she decided to try gratitude and she would, she would sit there with a journal and she couldn't think of one thing she was grateful for. She was that dark. And so she forced herself to say things like, it's sunny today. 
And she's like, I actually wasn't grateful that it was sunny, but I would just write it. But she kept at it. She just kept doing the gratitude. And at some point it clicked for her. And she actually started to notice little things. And she really did start to feel grateful for them. Like the, the, that energy was all of a sudden coming to life in her. And she credits that gratitude practice, which she still has to this day. She's healthy and all that to taking her out of her depression. I'm not suggesting a gratitude practice is going to take any of the listeners or viewers out of a depression. Like you have to get good help and all that kind of stuff, do the right thing, follow, you know, your intuition and, and all that kind of stuff. But this is what worked for Elizabeth. And interestingly enough, when you're paying attention and you're mindful because she, she took on a meditation practice and became very mindful, it changed her whole course of her medical career. She became uh, a more holistic doctor. <laughs> so she, she, while she did get her medical degree, she changed her whole practice. And she has a thriving, amazing practice in upstate New York. And wow, who knew? What a gift that experience for her would be and how that gratitude would show up for her in her life. I hear a common theme of pain to beauty uh -huh. in our conversation <laughs> as well. I love that. Thank you for uh, sharing. Sometimes as humans, it does take us the pain. It doesn't need to if we're paying attention, but sometimes we're not and it gets, it, things get tough and that's our wake up call. You're talking about why you meditate, why, why that is part of your daily routine. And I've been reflecting on that quite a bit. And I, the thing that keeps bubbling to the surface for me is that, and this kind of harkens back to some of the other, the earlier conversation we were having today, that this is my appointment with life and I want to show up for it. And awesome. I want to help other people show up for it because I don't want to be on my deathbed and say, I didn't show up. It was my one appointment. <laughs> as right. far as I know, this is the one shot I've got. So I want to show up for it. And that is, that is what drives me in helping others as well. That. So, you know, and you're making me think of something, uh, and, and, for the listeners, again, the viewers, I know I keep saying this. I'm not suggesting a retreat is for you, but I just want to mention something that happens on a retreat. And I'm curious if you had a similar experience. It sounded like you did. And it, it it's it, it's after a couple of days, two, three days, and this is common on a seven-day to 10-day retreat. After two to three days, all the surface stuff that was floating around and, you know, just the regular dramas and regular things in your life and all this kind of thing, it starts to settle. And there's a new quality that comes up three, four days in. And it's one where you start to notice that you have everything you need. Everything's okay. Because there's a simplicity on retreat. If you're fortunate enough to do something like that, and Amy, you and I are, because everyone can't go do something like that. It's it's not, you know, just something everyone can go drop and be be off the grid for seven days and be in silence. But it, it it's a great, great reminder 
if you, even if you can't, but just to bring this into your mindset on a daily basis, you have everything you need. When things aren't quote unquote going your way, they just, those things are just what's happening. It isn't going your way or not going your way. It's your perceived notion of how things should be unfolding. And you're upset they're not unfolding a certain way. But when they do unfold the way you want, you like that. So you grasp onto that. <laughs> but causes but, more pain because nothing that's right. ever stays the same. That's right. That's right. That That's what you learn on retreat. You learn that everything's uh, dying and being reborn in the moment. And when you can start to understand through that experience that you have everything that you need, that this breath that we have is so precious. I feel passionate about it because when I was growing up, one of the traumas that I had was I had severe asthma and I got to a point because medications weren't like they are today where I was literally about to die. And I'm not trying to be dramatic about this, but it's just true. I was. And I was alone and I was ready to die. And I know what it feels like to not be able to breathe. And it, it's really hard. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that. But, but when you've experienced, it's, you know, it's intense. And, and so to be able to recognize like, all right, look, I know things are hard right now. You know, it could be a loved one who's in pain and there's like nothing that you could do. It could be your business. You lost your big account. It just feels like every, all the cards are falling apart. You know, it, but just to be able to come back and just say, okay, look, I have this breath right now and it's going to be okay. I, I will work my way through this. And it is, it is some quote unquote work you will, but just to have that appreciation, I have this breath right now. And you recognize that when you're on retreat, when everything starts to settle and you know, you know, that you have, you know, all the basics covered. You had a roof over your head, you know, you had food to eat. Uh, everything that you needed was there. You had your breath. And so we can bring that experience back into our regular everyday life. And if you're not in retreat and you can't find the time or, or you don't even have the will to do it, maybe just bookmark that, you know, idea that you do. You have everything that you need. It might not seem like it sometimes. But but you really do. If things seem out of control, you, you do have choices. You can simplify things in your life if you want. You can address issues if you want. You know, you can accept what's going on if you want. And then you're okay. Then you realize you're okay. Because you are okay just the way you are. And I think part of that, I don't know, how did that show up for you after three days or so? I think a lot of that did show up for me, recognizing that, yeah, I have enough health to be here. I don't really want for anything in this moment. This moment is enough. And the simplicity of the moment allowed me to be present or created an environment that allowed me to be more present. A big discussion point that we had throughout the seven days was really around this concept. I'm not sure I'm going to describe it as well as he did, our leader did, but that we are on 
this journey of life that will come to an end and recognizing that we are finite, like you mentioned earlier, we are finite human beings. And what that does when you sit with that, does it make the dishwasher <laughs> as important as it seemed yesterday morning? No, it, it makes it way, way, way less because we don't know when that end date is. We don't know when the expiration is, as you've mentioned. And I think there's a lot of gentleness that came to my spirit thinking about that. You know, coming up for breath, again, thinking about the 10 years, thinking about the moments, however many I have of those between now and the end, taking that breath and thinking about it in a bigger, in a bigger fashion, I think it makes you, it made me reflect on what is the most important thing. Right. It is the moment. It is the breath. It is love. It is recognizing that I'm part of something bigger and I want to be the best me that I can be so that the bigger, bigger picture is healthier. I'm part of it. So the healthier I am, yes, healthier others <laughs> can be, right? That's really, Absolutely. if I could have summed up seven whole days, 12 hour days, huge amounts of practice. Yeah. That's what it came down to. You know, I, I this one, I think you're, uh, those listening and, and viewing might appreciate. I was having a conversation um, with somebody and they were the good old grocery store line discussion. There was a long line. They were in a rush. They got to the checkout and the person at the checkout was flustered and wasn't treating them well. And they were upset about it. And I said to the person, what I'm not saying anything, anybody listening or viewing doesn't already know, you know, maybe they were having a hard day, you know, what kind of energy did you bring? Now the person responded to me and said, well, they're there to serve me. They're working at the place. You know, th th that's their job. They have to provide great customer service. And I said, again, this is just something for us to find what your grocery store example for you is, how you show up. It doesn't even matter if that person was having a hard day. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they weren't having something hard going on. Maybe they're just grouchy all the time. We don't need to know. It's it's how we show up. And Amy, that's what I think, you know, what you were saying is is there's something bigger going on. And, and you could call it whatever you want, religion, spirituality, anything, or just nothing. It doesn't even matter. Why wouldn't we show up as the best that we can for other humans in our life, whether we agree with them or not? Because believe me, we, we disagree with 50% of 8 billion people. <laughs> okay, so just get used to it. You know, it's just part of life. But you, it's all about how you show up. And, and that's how you can make actually a huge impact in the world. There's other ways you can make an impact in the world. You know, you can invent the iPhone or something. And that's awesome. That's one way. I'm not going to. So I'm just saying like, that's not going to be me. <laughs> but when I go to the grocery store, I feel like I can make an impact. I feel like I can say a kind word to a person and that can make an impact. And I think my mindfulness and gratitude cultivates that. And you don't have to go on a retreat to cultivate it. You can do it in your house. It can, And as you said earlier, you don't have to carry anything with you. You could do it in a hotel room on an airplane. 
anywhere you want. It's like there's there's no baggage. It's easy. You just got to do it and practice it to help cultivate it. I think that the grocery store example is fantastic. And I would apply that. I try to apply that sort of mindset as a business leader a lot thinking, okay, it's Monday morning. I know we have our team meeting at 10. I know I have this, that, and the other. So many things are running wild through my brain on a Monday morning. Even if I have the time on Sunday evenings, which I try to do as well, it still feels like the wild west sometimes on a Monday morning, just trying to get everything, all the ducks in a row. I know what, what is coming up, but the question I ask myself is if I bring this wild energy to the team, it's like losing all control over <laughs> And it, yep. it's so powerful to come in self-empowered knowing that I'm in touch with myself and I am operating. And that means thinking, feeling, speaking, moving. I'm operating from a place of centeredness. Yeah. yeah. So I have reviewed the North Star. I have spent time understanding where my brain is and recognizing the things that might impede success this week, setting those intentions, being grateful, um, very similar practice. I use glowy, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but that's what I use in the morning and, and most evenings as well. It's so powerful because when I come in flustered, guess what? The team's flustered. You got it. It, it all energy, comes downhill. You're transferring your energy to other people. There's and so much and, power and they're it. transferring their energy to you. So we have to be mindful of our energy and know this is about my energy and how my energy shows up. And I'm talking about like, you are pure energy. Your body is pure energy. Go look it up. You know, it's made up of molecules and atoms and all and And they're all moving all the time. It's energy. And so if you can accept that notion how you show up, you, I mean, you've been around people when you feel like they're low energy, they got a weird energy, you, you, right. we've all been around. And, and so how can you cultivate that energy for your employees, for the people in your everyday life, the people that you don't even know? How can you bring up that energy? Because they'll walk away with an uplifted energy in themselves, even if just for a moment, like, wow, I feel a little bit more energized than I did a few minutes ago. And it'll probably drop down for them because that's their default. But you brought that to them. And that is such a gift to be able to do that. And you could do that with your customers. I, I know at, at um, one of my companies, you know, some sometimes we deal with very large organizations and there's unfortunately a dysfunction. And we have to work within that dysfunction. And sometimes our employees might say, this is hard. And I always encourage them, bring your energy to them. You might not notice it while you're interacting with them, but they feel it from you. And just know they're having a hard time. They're in an environment that's very challenging. And you can bring a different, you can help shift their energy. And so maybe just for a moment that day, they went, you know what? That was actually a good interaction. The rest of my interactions the rest of the day might not be so good, but that was good with, with this company, with this person. And so you can bring that in so many aspects of your life. Model it. I love that so much. We've talked a lot about 
practicing on our own and bringing that to our teams and our leadership style and owning our own power. I'm wondering what one of your favorite mindfulness practices is, are and and what is the proper conjugation there is yeah. and and if you would lead us in that. Sure. So which sure. what is your favorite uh, mindfulness practice and would you lead that for us? Yeah. Well, you and I talked a little bit about this beforehand and, you know, one of my favorites, but you've had this on other podcasts, but a loving kindness uh, practice is very uplifting and, and beautiful in your heart space. So you could just Google loving kindness practice or go listen to one of Amy's other podcasts and you can get guided through that. But one of the things that I learned early on that I suggested that we do is learn how you can set yourself up properly to have a, uh, a good meditation. And that's through your posture. And I learned something called the seven points of posture, which has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Because in meditation, ideally, what we want to do, and there are all different types of meditation. So please understand, this is not the final say on anything. This is just what I've learned and the way I approach it. And it may resonate with you and it may not. So try it out and you'll decide. And so we'll go through the seven points of posture. Then we'll sit quietly for like a minute because that's all we have time for. And then we'll come out of the meditation. So let's get set up. So I'm going to assume if you're listening, you're uh, in, a, in a chair. So we're going to go off of that premise. Some people sit on a cushion, um, like called a Zafu, and they sit cross-legged. But let's just assume you're in a chair. If you're driving, don't do this, okay? <laughs> Good tip. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just sit upright and get comfortable. If, you're, if your back is on the back of the chair, I'm going to encourage you, again, if it's comfortable, to take your back off the back of the chair so you're self-supporting yourself. But if that's not comfortable with, for many people, it's not go against the back of the chair. Totally fine. Okay. And so just placing your hands on your legs. And now we're going to bring your attention to your feet and just noticing the sensation of your feet grounded on the earth. Now, this might be the first time you actually notice the sensation of your feet today. So really tune into it. And now bringing your attention to your hands, resting gently on your legs and noticing, noticing the sensation of your hands and what that feels like on your legs. And now bringing your attention to your posture, sitting upright, but not too rigid, not too soft, just somewhere in the middle that feels comfortable. And now you can tilt your chin down just slightly. And if your eyes are open and you'd like to keep them open, you can gaze forward three feet or so in front of you with kind of a 
fuzzy gaze. Or you can close your eyes. Whatever's most comfortable for you. And now bringing your attention to your breath. Just breathing in and out normally, nothing special. You might notice the sensation of the air coming into your nose or outside of your nose. You might follow your breath as it goes into your nose and makes its way into your body and somewhere it stops for you and turns around and comes back out. Just following its path. So just try that for a minute. you might notice your mind has started to wander. That's normal. That's what our mind does. And once you notice that your mind has started to wander, you just simply bring your attention back to your breath, breathing in normally, following the path of your breath. And now we'll bring our attention back to our feet, firmly grounded, our hands on our legs, noticing the sensation. And if your eyes were closed, opening them, and if they were open, just bringing a clear gaze, reorienting yourself with your surroundings, and maybe just taking a moment to express gratitude to yourself for taking 60 seconds to settle your mind. And I have gratitude to Amy for allowing me to guide you through that and for all of you that were willing to try it. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for leading us in that, Rob. Absolutely. Very calming. I notice when I go back and listen to uh, past interviews, whenever we get done with the mindfulness practice, usually my voice is really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> we have to bump it up. Of course, it's so calm. Right? <laughs> I love that. That's a great way of explaining it. And, and I encourage everyone to consider why that is. Because you just settled down a little. You do. You yeah. do. And that was just a minute. I know. I know. I do want to take some time to talk about what is most pressing for you 
on the work front. You have a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire. That serial entrepreneur gene is fully alive in you. <laughs> but what is what is at the forefront for you? What what do you most want to talk to folks about? Um, maybe in your writing, in your trainings, um, maybe where folks can first kind of what's the first step even, you know, kind of to get to know you yeah, from a work perspective? Well, you know, the, the thing that I spend the most time on these days, and I have three companies, but the one that I'm doing full-time is called the 10 Disciplines, which you and I have talked in great detail about many of the aspects of it. You know, this is where we take an assessment of you, help you understand yourself and protect yourself, so ultimately, you can free yourself and shine. And uh, as you mentioned at the outset, that's the name of uh, a book that I co-authored with Gino Wickman. And it's about how looking inward is the key to unlocking your, uh, your true entrepreneurial freedom. And that's my hope, because I believe entrepreneurs and those in leadership roles, you know, we make a huge impact on others in our life, just how we show up and uh, and how we can change the world. And I truly believe that. And so, um, you know, that's the thing that I feel most drawn to. And, you know, Gino and I always talk about how we feel about things. And, you know, oftentimes with entrepreneurs, we like to say, I'm most excited. I'm most passionate. I'm and, and those are dopamine hit words, you know, and what we try to tune into, not successfully always, is what we like to call a knowingness. And this is where it doesn't really take on a, I don't like that, or I love that quality. There's just a sense that it's right. It's in, it's something inside that just says, this is right. And I, and I'm open to not knowing where this is going to take me. <laughs> and that's what I do with the 10 disciplines. I'm open to not knowing where this is going to go or take me. It's not that we don't have a 10 year thinking vision in place. We certainly do. And we want to impact many lives. And I hope we do. And we try to make those steps every day to do that. But there's a knowingness that this, this is what should be done right now. Mm -hmm. And that's what I spend most, most of my time on. I think that, that knowingness and going with what in your gut feels right, even though you don't have the full vision of it, that's where life happens, I find. That's where the spark is. Yeah. There are calculated decisions, right? In entrepreneurship, should I hire this person? Should I not? Is now the right time? Is it not? Is it time to make this investment? Is it not? Should we open a new service line? Is it not? But there is an aspect to it that is knowingness. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's fully knowingness. There are sometimes when even the numbers don't make sense, the timing doesn't make sense. But you, when you're quiet with yourself, you can't deny that yeah. voice that keeps saying, say yes. Yeah. Say yes. I'm so happy you brought that up because, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about, the idea that you can continue to be driven and have peace. Mm. Sometimes it doesn't always go at the pace that we want. Sometimes it goes faster than we want. And sometimes it goes slower. And sometimes it's just the right speed, but it, it goes at all the different speeds. But a couple of examples of how I can share things showing up 
in, in the 10 disciplines work as an example. When Gino and I wrote the book, Shine, we were, like many authors, encouraged to get you know, a hundred endorsements from all the biggest names around that you can, right? And so we started our sprint, you know, okay, let's make a list. Who do we know? Who can we get a hold of and this and that? And then we went, hold on. Something doesn't feel right. There's a knowingness. Let's pause here. And we slowed down and we said, who, who are the right people? And, and we literally pared it down to five people. And then we said, now we'll reach out to them and they may or may not agree. And that's okay because we want them to believe in it. And fortunately they did agree, but we went from this big list and the, what you were supposed to do to saying, what feels, what, what is a knowingness that we have about this? And we, we wanted to approach it in a more thoughtful way and energetically. And so that's one way that that showed up. We have these kinds of discussions all the time. Like you said, who should we hire? What should we name that, the, you know, name that product line, so on and so forth. And we just tend to these days slow down a little and allow things to unfold. And through that process, you make better decisions. And so I encourage everybody, be, be okay with that. And sometimes you just know, and you would have that knowingness right away. So you don't have to wait. There isn't a patience that's required. It already came. But it'd be okay with also letting things unfold and not needing to know right now, but having it up there and in you and allowing it to unfold naturally, the answer will come. Whether you should take on that product line, it'll come. It's there. Sometimes you just have to give it a little bit of space. I think there's an abundance mindset that I'm hearing, kind of reading between the lines in that, where I had been sitting on a, a speaking, like a, an employee training um, opportunity for a few days, and I just didn't have a strong sense that it was the right timing based on other commitments that I had. But there was a FOMO situation of, well, if I let this one go, will another one come up? Or what if this is the, you know, the big break that I'm looking for? And and a moment of abundance mindset came over me. And, you know, you talked about earlier, say no often. And again, it's kind of like meditation. There's there is an aspect of faith that if it's not the right time, if I feel in my gut that if there is a knowingness that it really should be a no right now, even though I want it to be a yes, that more will come, that there is abundance, better, bigger, or the same thing might come back around here in six months. Letting it go and trusting. Yeah. Love that. I love that so very much. Now, I want to break it down for a minute. So there, there's this assessment, the, the 10 disciplines, and you've been very generous to talk to us in depth about that. So thank you so much. I'm wondering after this assessment, what happens next? Do you, do you have one-on-one -on -one coaching with someone, you or your team? Do you have um, kind of online videos or group sessions? Where do the path, where's the path take you from there? Yeah, the path is you do the assessment. You have an understanding of where you're at. Um, and that's always changing. This isn't an assessment where you get, you score an A, B, C, or D. This is shining light on areas of your life that need light shined on them. 
and it's always changing. And so that's one of the things I love it. I love about it because there's always an area we just need to put a little bit of focus on. And so once you've taken the assessment, you kind of know where things stand. Then you come in either to our self-study program, which is a, a set of videos that takes you through 10 disciplines or our group coaching program. Both of them help create a foundation in your life that frees up space in your mind, as I mentioned earlier, and time in your life so you can free yourself and shine. When, you, when we get to the free yourself part, we encourage and have an invite to anybody who has gone through our programs to come into our true self mastermind. That's the freeing of yourself. This is freeing your true self, <laughs> okay? And that's when you really begin to shine. And so if people can visualize that and see that in their life that I can free my true self, it's bottled up right now, and I can learn the things to open myself up if I'm not too scared and if I'm willing to take a step and another step and another step and a little bit of a leap and another step, et cetera, you will free your true self. And once you free your true self, this is where you will make greatest impact in this world and shine. You will have peace. And so that's kind of the engagement of how we work with people. Tell me the pros and cons of self-directed versus kind of the group and maybe even like yeah. time commitment kind of on either. So folks can maybe make that decision for themselves. So the self-directed, the self you go at your own pace and you're on your own. So that's, it's up to you to do the work. What, what's the max or the minimum of the max that you kind of see happening? Or the bell it's, curve. it's 10 hours of work. So each video is about an hour. Okay. Um, Gino does a riff on the discipline. And then we do an interview together talking about all aspects of it. And then there's some workbook material that you can download and use and then some resources. So you can take that path. It's a more inexpensive path. It's an entry level way to get into it. The group coaching, it's live. So you're with community. And this is where I love, this is, my favorite part of it is the 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 um, you have at you have the most up to date uh, wisdom that I can bring to you. You are with people who are like minded, and they bring wisdom around this work. What's working for them? What's not working for them? And so we do a lot of sharing. You know, it's very interactive. So in the in the group setting, that's ten weeks, one hour a week. And then you're off and running. During each session, I start and I do a quick riff and teach the discipline. Then you do experiences. So you're doing a little bit of work for a bit. Then we share. Then we come out and do Q&A if we have time and we're done. I mean, it goes by in the blink of an eye. And by the end of 10 sessions, you've got a strong foundation in place. And and then you move into the mastermind in about 15% about of our clients go into the mastermind. And so- And what is the mastermind? Is that more group coaching? The mastermind is is uh, once a month for 90 minutes, Gina Wickman and myself uh, facilitate it. Um, Gino does a riff on, one, on a topic every time. Then we do something similar. We do some Q&A and some feedback with Gino and myself uh, through with the group. Then we do some experiences. So they do some work. They go inside. You know, every time we're shedding layers, every every monthly session, we're shedding some layers. We do some sharing, collective intelligence, wisdom from the group. 
and then it's over. And again, goes by in the blink of an eye. Our mastermind is ranked a 10 out of 10 every session. Our, our group coaching is ranked 9.7 out of 10 every session. So we've had 80 people go through the mastermind as of January 2020, or excuse me, um, through the group coaching as of um, uh, January 24. And uh, the mastermind, you know, you could do the math, 15% of the people go through there. So um, they're very successful. And I just feel so grateful that I can even be a part of this and, and bring help bring this these ideas to people and ha and watch them change. That feels like a huge gift for you <laughs> and Gino to make yourselves available. Just the wealth of knowledge from your experiences. That sounds so exciting. Um, I do want to give you a, um, a moment to talk to us about your new book. Uh, that's coming out. You co-authored with Gino Wickman. Um, and if you guys have not checked out Do Nothing, please do. <laughs> um, if you have not checked out Traction, do. Um, it it sits typically on the nightstand of me or my husband. It is fantastic for business leaders. Absolutely. It's just a wealth of knowledge. I can't believe so much information is in one book. <laughs> it feels so true. Unbelievable. Um, but I want to give you a chance to talk about um, Shine and when it's available, how folks can get their hands on it. Thank you. And then um, I want to conclude with allowing you to practice Glowy and okay. um, then, we'll, then we'll wrap up. So tell I us about it. Shine. So, you know, Shine is the next level for entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's, you know, Gino and I always say we might be a little ahead of the game, but it's, it's coming. And Traction was a little bit ahead of the game. And it, it, it had a slow uh, entry into the marketplace, and now it's a phenomenon. Now, will, will ours be or not? Doesn't matter. But what we do know and feel confident is that we teach in the book how to create that strong foundation and then help free yourself through three discoveries that we talk about. You are driven. You and I talked about that. All decisions are made from love or fear and that you can be driven and, and have peace. And we spend a great deal of time on that second one, all that your decisions are made from love or fear, from your heart or from your ego. Now, we don't have enough time to really dive deep into that, but most people, and I saw your reaction when I said it, and that's most people's reaction. They go, Oh, yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> yes. So how can I come from more of a place of love from my heart and less from fear from my ego? And that's what we teach. And that's how you can continue to be driven and have peace. Your mind is, in, is going crazy. It, you sit down. That's why you don't sit. We talked about this earlier, because when you sit, it all comes and we want to bring you peace. We want your mind to settle, your body to settle, and then you're going to show up and you're going to be more successful in business. And that's great and everything, but ultimately you're going to be more successful in life. So that's what the book's all about. It's coming out on March 26th. You can pre-order it at Amazon and all the different booksellers. It's up there. And so you can pre-order it and obviously it'll get sent to you once uh, March 26 rolls around. Uh, we've got all the versions. We got a great audio version with a three hour interview that I did with Gino at the end of the uh, audio uh, book uh, as bonus material. So maybe you'll buy both the book and the audio, uh, whatever uh, seems you seem to be drawn to. So, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that with, with your audience.
Well, it's coming up soon and I'm so excited. So March 26th, 2024, it's coming out. Let's take a moment and we're going to calm ourselves before we're done here. The glowy daily reflection practice. It is kind of the bookends of my day. Yep. We start with gratefulness. That's what the G stands for. We go into lift up the things that need resources for ourselves or for others. We observe, which is a key tenet of mindfulness. We establish a wholesome intention. And then we end with a positive affirmation, a you are, which it sounds like you you direct gratefulness to yourself. So this should feel pretty mm-hmm. comfortable, I think. So yeah. let's start with gratefulness. What's something you're grateful for, Ram? Well, the obvious would be the time that you and I have been able to spend together. Um, you and I had a wonderful conversation prior to this. And I thought, this Amy's a special woman. I'm so grateful I got to do this thing with Jeff, with his group. And he comes comes up to me, you should, my wife, this, that, you know how that goes. And next thing you know, here we are. So, wow, what a way to spend a morning. I'm so grateful to you. Oh, Thank you, Amy. I feel so the same. You. Thank you for your time. So generous. The next one is lift up. Are there, are there things that need resources, time, energy for yourself or others? Mm. Well, you know, as I mentioned, um, I, I try to be very mindful of this on a daily basis. How can I be a lifter upper and not a dragger downer? And, and so I think I don't have a specific example now. I think I have a good self-care routine. So I feel good. I feel I was able to ground myself prior to our conversation. I wanted to be in a good mindset and I wanted my energy to be in the right place. And I wanted to feel like I was float, which is a word that Gino and I like to share that we made up. And um, and what does it mean? You have to it, say. <laughs> it's, it's what happens when fear is not driving you. For example, during our conversation, I could be fearful of maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe, you know, it isn't driving you. It's when your, your drive is there, but you're experiencing peace at the same time. It's, it's when you're able to tap into these constant flow of ideas that allow you to make more clear decisions, communicate better, uh, attract opportunities, and, and then have peace while you're doing it. And ultimately, it's letting love and peace drive you, not pain or fear like you and I were talking about before. So I felt float while I was with you today. Excellent. Thank Excellent. you for that. And- is there anything though that you feel like you still need, like that you still are looking for a resource for? It's almost a prayer, really. You know, maybe there's something that you're trying to discern or someone who's sick. Mm. Is there anything like that that's kind of clanging around in your brain these days? I honestly don't have anything clinging around on that right now. It's <laughs> I a blessing. Really, I don't want to make something up. <laughs> Well, that's a beautiful thing. Um, So it sounds like we need to go back to the G you're grateful for. Um, What is something you observe? Yeah. Mm. Well, what I've been observing lately is as we have and build out this wonderful content and we bring it to the world, sometimes I fall back into my entrepreneurial needing it all right now mode. 
feeling like I'm not enough, I'm not doing enough. And so I try to be very mindful of observing that on a regular basis and allowing things to come, knowing that I've done my best every moment of every day. And if I haven't, being okay with that, because a lot of times I don't do my best and, and I can't judge myself around that. I can only try to do better in the present moment. So that's an observation I've been having because we have a lot going on with the programs, with the book launch, and with all the in-between stuff. That and, and so I've been observing that. Where am I falling back into old tendencies and uh, trying to bring myself back? And that's, so, I think, going to be a lifelong practice for me. So maybe a lifting up of peace. Yeah, right. That That is a good one. Amidst all of this, so many yeah. hats. What about a wholesome intention amidst all of this? Yeah. You know, I my wholesome intention, it goes back to a practice that you and I talked about that I do on a regular basis, which is a loving kindness practice. And so I, I wish love and kindness to all living beings, all sentient beings. Um, and I oftentimes think of those that cause the most angst um, in this world. You know, we're embarking on a political uh, race here in America, and this is where it gets really intense. And I think this is where my wholesome intention, as you say, is I wish uh, loving kindness to all who are in that race and whether I agree with them or not. And I wish that same wholesome intention on all people who feel um, angst around however way it's going. And I just use that because that's an easy one for people to draw on, but um, there's so much pain in the world. And so I think just being able to to tap in and send, know that wholesome, as a wholesome intention, we can send love and kindness and it does reach people even humbly from our little spot in our house or whatever, you know, we can't unfortunately go out and change every single thing in the world, but we can have that simple intention to wish the best for all beings. It's a good time for a reminder that this is a big year and to pay attention to when things get stirred up. That's right. And be empowered that, you have a choice. Yes. Encouraged that you have a choice in how you respond, how you act, how you think. And um, it's a good reminder right now. This is a big year. So thank yeah. you for bringing that up. The yeah. last one before we conclude is you are. Rob, <laughs> you are. You get to send yourself out with some loving kindness is, that you've been talking about. What is, is it? What I am or what you are? You. So you get you to send me. it to yourself. Sometimes I even kind of hug myself a little bit and just. Well, I, I have, um, I actually have a, a tattoo to remind me of this. Uh, it's called an Enzo. And an Enzo stands basically for the idea that I am everything, but I am nothing. Excuse me. I did that in rock. I am nothing but I am everything. So let me say it again. I am nothing, but I am everything. And that reminds me. So when I go out into, I live in a very nature filled area. And when I go out into nature, that's easy for me to look around and go, holy moly, I am nothing. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
but yet I'm all of this. And so I, that's a daily practice for me, just to remind me, I am nothing, but I am everything. I love that. I love that. Rob, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Is mutual. Oh, so much information, so much hard-earned wisdom. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank, thank you, you for sharing your knowledge in the 10 disciplines and the books that you've written. Again, check out Shine. Get thank it you. on pre-order on Amazon. <laughs> Coming out March 26, 2024. Um, these are great folks, great hearts who are mindful of business practices and of their own lives in and out of the office. And it's a gift that you share it. So thank you so much, Rob. From my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off.